0: The thief comes not, except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseo Afuaqua. Pastor Afuaqua is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana.
1: Come with me to First Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 1 to 10. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all had the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were and as it is written the people sat to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did and 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to test as some of them did and were destroyed by the serpents nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer now these things happened to them as an example but they were written down for our instruction upon whom the end of the ages has come therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands take you lest he falls turn to you and say be careful yeah. then he says no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man God is faithful and he will not let you to be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape. He will provide what? He will provide what? Say it three times as a way of escape. There's a way of escape. There's a way of escape escape. escape that you you may be able to endure. You must understand that as long as you are born again, your spirit is connected and alive to God. In our Sunday series, we said that once you come to faith in Christ, you place your faith in Christ and you trust God as your Lord, and you trust Christ as your Lord and Savior, immediately your spirit comes alive. Somebody in my spirit comes alive okay so your spirit comes alive and with your spirit you serve god with your spirit you fellowship with god but your spirit which is alive unto god now will begin to war against your members which are contrary they have desires that are contrary to the desires of your spirit your spirit wants to do the right thing your spirit wants to honor god your spirit wants to please god but your flesh wants to do something else and we need to bring that into, it's a conflict that will go on until you leave this body. It's a conflict that never ends until you leave this body. Your spirit goes to be with God. As long as you remain in this flesh, it's a conflict that you can never bind. It's a conflict you can never stop. It's a conflict that you will perpetually have to fight. Somebody says an, an ongoing war. And it's a war that is on to whatever time. It's almost like the Philistine and the Israeli war. It's been there since, praise the Lord, since the formation of the nation of Israel. That war has been there. It doesn't look like it's going soon. Now, that is a war that is going to be there, but it's not a war that you are powerless in. You see, it's not a war you are a victim in. It's a war that you have capacity to win. Amen. The marvelous thing about the new creation is that he is not a weak person. The Bible says, whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is a victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Once you get born again, you are born an overcomer. Somebody say, I'm born an overcomer. Born an overcomer. The overcomer's DNA is in you. So the born again, the new creation can only become a victim when he chooses to be. When you decide, I'm no longer going to fight, I'm going to give up. Then you become a victim. But as long as the Spirit of God lives in you, as long as you are hooked up to divinity, you are never, 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 never a victim. And it cuts across all areas of life. You are not a victim. See, I'm not a victim. victim. And so we need to know where we stand. And then that is where we fight from. The Bible says fight the good fight of faith. When you lack a revelation about spiritual warfare, you will think that You are fighting Satan to overcome him. No, you are fighting to maintain victory that is already yours in Christ. When we fight in spiritual warfare, Satan's attempt is to just make you doubt whether you know what you have, whether you know you have power over him, whether you know you are more than a conqueror. And he will come again, again, and again, again, and again, again, and again, until he knows without a shadow of doubt that you know where you are standing. And it takes a revelation knowledge to progressively come to that place. It is constant knowledge, constant feeding. We said that our victory over sin begins with mastery over temptation. Somebody say victory over sin, victory over sin. begins with mastery over temptation. Mastery over yeah, because you see that you can't talk about sin without first talking about temptation. Because you have a righteous nature, because you are a new creation, you have the righteous nature of God in you. Satan will always present other offers to test. Whether that nature is there or not. So, when every, anytime temptation comes your way, Satan is trying to draw you away from who you are. Somebody say, Satan is trying to draw you away from who you are. That's what temptation is. He comes to draw you away from who you are. And he does it by starting with you. We, we said that there are 13 truths about. Temptation, and we touched on all of that. We we looked at the origin of temptation last week, and I think last 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 month and last week we began to look at the origin of temptation. Somebody say the origin of temptation. Yeah. James one tells us that let no man say I am tempted when he's I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempt he anyone. God does not tempt us. But in the book of Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 1 and 3, the Bible said, Then Jesus was led of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And then verse 3, the Bible said, When the tempter came, so it identifies Satan as a tempter. And we see from scripture that Satan also uses a certain avenue to tempt us. How does Satan tempt us? He tempts us through our desires. Somebody say our desires. Our desires. So, he uses our desires to tempt and trap us. He uses your desires to bait you and then to trap you. He will not get you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we began looking at seven things and situations the tempter uses to tempt us. Number one, we said that he uses evil desires or lust for evil things. The same way you can desire good things, you can also desire bad things or evil things. The Bible said, now these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. Then in the book of 1 Corinthians 7 verse 5, in the Amplified Version, we are told, Do not refuse and deprive and defraud each other of your due marital rights, except perhaps, by mutual consent for a time, so that you may devote yourselves and hinder to prayer. But afterwards, resume marital relations, lest Satan tempt you to sin through your lack of restraint of sexual desire. So, apart from desire for evil things in general, Satan also uses sexual desire to tempt us. Your desire for sex, which is a legitimate desire, when it's satisfied within the confines of marriage, Satan can also use it to test and tempt you and lead you astray. And then, of course, we talked on the things of the world. Somebody say the things of the world. And then we also talked about the love of money or riches. That was number four. In 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 6 to 9, he said, "But godliness with contentment is great gain. Somebody say, it's great gain. great gain. What is great gain? Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. Therefore, having food and raiment, let us be there with content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hateful lusts, which drown men into destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which our some having coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many, through with many. Alright, so the love of money is the root of all evil. It says, which some coveted after they've fallen into all kinds of traps. But they that will be rich will fall into temptation. Somebody say temptation, verse 9. They that will be rich. In other words, verse 9 says, those whose goal in life is to get money and be rich rich by all means at all costs. They will fall into all kinds of things. That shall not be your testimony. And then of course, number 5. As we get into the meat of our substance today, it's weakness of faith. Somebody say weakness of faith. weakness of faith. When your faith is weak, you can fall into temptation. When your faith is weak, you can when your faith is weak, you fall into the temptation of going for uh, alternatives. Sometimes you are trusting God for a particular thing. And instead of keeping your focus on Him, by the time you realize somebody tells you, Oh, if this is your God, He would do it, you would have done it. There's some one malam in this corner. I want us to go and see him. He's giving you an alternative. It was weakness in faith that made Abraham buy and fall for the offer from his wife, Sarah. He said, this is your God who promised that you'll be a father of many nations. See me, all. I'm too old. I don't know when this thing is going to be. And I don't know that this thing will happen. So this Hagar, I think it's a good idea that she's here. She's young and she's very cooperative. Let us help you. You see, when your faith is weak, you look for ways to help God instead of trusting God. Am I communicating here? It's very important. The Bible says in Romans chapter 4, verse 19 to 20, he said, being not weak in faith, he, started not, he considered not his own body now dead. When he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, he started not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. How do you grow your faith? Consistent feeding on the word. Somebody say consistent feeding on the word. Yeah, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The more of the word of God you hear and the revelation of the word of God comes to your spirit, your faith begins to grow exceedingly. I see your faith growing exceedingly. I said I see your faith growing exceedingly. Of course, number six is intense persecution. When people come face to face with intense persecution, they can easily fall into temptation. You remember in those days when they gave Daniel an offer He said, bow to this uh, golden image or you go to the lion's den. Daniel chose that he would stand with God. And when he chose to stand with God, there were consequences. But if he had also decided to bow, he would have lost his place. And so it's important that when we are faced, we are confronted with intense persecution. It can come from your job. It can come from family. It, maybe you are a Muslim. You are converted. Your family can come very hard after you. And if you are not strong and you are not aided, you can easily fall. Sometimes financial challenges can let people fall into temptation. Young lady who under no circumstance will not have given her body to a man just because the school fees must be paid. And there's no other way to do it. She decides that she's going to give her body up for it. Intense persecution, pressure. Look at what the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 4 to 5. From when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction. Just as it has come to pass... And just as you know, for when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction. Do you know that it is, uh, it is okay for the Christian to suffer affliction? Am I communicating to people at all? Yeah. This is a baby boomer generation. We, we, we like nice things. We don't know what it means to suffer for Christ's sake. A genuine Christian is known by his faith. In the face of trial. That's a generic reason. The Bible says, Counted all John, Where you fall into diverse temptation, that's New Testament. Where you fall into diverse trials. David said, Many are the afflictions of a righteous. The Lord delivered him from them all. Yeah. You affliction is part of our walk with God. And I will show you how affliction comes and what God uses affliction to do in our lives and in the lives of others. So he says, we kept telling you that you will suffer. Just as it has come to pass and just as you know, verse 5. He said, for this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith. For fear that some, somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor will be in vain. They were going through intense affliction. And some of them were challenged. I mean, go to certain places in the world. People are, are going through all kinds of things just to be called Christians. They are not trusting God for food. They just want to be remain as Christians. And they are so persecuted that they cannot come out openly to say they are Christians. And if you have an opportunity to live in a place like Ghana, where no restrictions like that exist, we better thank God and take our God seriously. Am I communicating here? Because if you look at some of us now, the way we are going about our walk with God, if intense persecution comes, I wonder whether we can survive. In the book of Revelation, the Bible said they overcame him by the blood of a lamb and the the, the word of their test, and they loved not their lives. Somebody said they loved not their lives. Even unto that. They love not their lives. One of the greatest enemies of loving God, one of the greatest impediments of loving God is love for self. When love for self comes before God, yourself has actually become an idol. Are you with me here? Yeah. When you, you come before God, thou shalt have no other God before me. When self-preservation, and maybe one day I will walk you through what it means to love yourself. Self-preservation, self-protection, self-love. Instead of going out, becoming selfless, you you live a selfish life. Always looking inward. You rather do little than go all out. That is loving self. And then, of course, number seven is pride. Temptation comes when people live a prideful life. The Bible said, therefore, let him who thinks he stands, take he less he. Talk to me less he. Take he less he. Wow. You always have to evaluate yourself properly. In Galatians chapter 6 verse 1, he said, brethren, if any person is overtaken in a misconduct or a sin of any sort, you who are spiritual, in other words, you who at the time somebody has fallen into a trap or a sin, who have not fallen into it, he says, this is what you are supposed to do. What are you supposed to do? He said, you who are spiritual, who are responsive to and controlled by the spiritual. Set him right. And the word he's using there in the Greek actually means uh, the way they, they try to set a knee, a knee dislocated knee. The way they try to set it right. That's what he's talking about eh? Set him right. Fix him. He says, set him right and restore him and reinstate him without any sense of superiority. And with all gentleness, keep an attentive eyes on yourself, lest you should be tempted also. When you are proud, how could he do that? How could he steal? How could he fornicate? How could he? How could he? How could he? How can a man of God do this? Be careful. How can a believer do this? Be careful. I thought he was a choir member. How can uh, somebody who is uh, who leads songs in church be careful? That's not the posture of a believer. When someone falls into a trap amongst us, our posture is supposed to be different. The Bible says we go to him and we help the person to rise. And all the time we are helping the person, we are mindful and we are careful. We are telling ourselves that we could be the next victim. I'm not communicating here. Because after all, we all have the same enemy. Don't we have the same enemy? We have the same enemy. That's why you cannot join Satan to condemn a believer who has fallen. You cannot. When somebody falls around us, condemnation is not our ministry. Restoration is our ministry. We bring instruction and correction and restoration. That's what we are supposed to do. We correct the person, albeit in love, and then we restore the person. Ours is not to condemn the person because before you even come in with a word of condemnation, Satan has already successfully condemned the person already. So you have to be humble. If you look at the disciples of Jesus, all of them fell into a temptation because of pride. Jesus told them, watch and pray. They said, no, we will sleep and wait. They slept. And when Jesus was telling them, listen, the enemy is coming. This night I shall be stricken and all of you shall deny me. They say, hey, we will not deny you. Peter started that project. We will not deny you. Peter started. We will not. We will not. We will not. We will not. You see, there are things you can use faith confession to fight. There are things you have to just uh, submit yourself to authority and flow with the instruction from authority. Am I communicating here? Spiritual authority. Spiritual authority. There are times where faith confession will get you through. There are times just obeying an instruction from those ahead of you will set you free. Am I communicating here? God is a wise God. Eli was there. And Samuel was there. He could speak for somewhere to hear. He chose to use Eli's voice to communicate. Many people have become victims of circumstances they could have avoided if they had listened to authorities God has set over them. But they were not. Because they feel they know. Because they feel that they have experienced. Because they feel that they too, they can hear from God. Am I communicating here? Jesus told them, watch and pray. He actually took them, the three of them, Peter, James, and John. Let's pray. While he was praying, they were sleeping. Seriously praying, they were seriously sleeping and snoring. They all denied him. If you read Matthew there, you have that account there. Tonight, and maybe the subsequent weeks, we're going to be looking at escape routes from temptation. Somebody say, escape routes from temptation. That's the title of tonight's teaching. Escape routes. Somebody say, escape routes. Now, let's go back to our text. Let's read it together. One go. No temptation has overtaken you, except such as is common to man. But God is, God is who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but that you may be able to bear it. Somebody say there's a way of escape. You see, I told you earlier that when you fall into temptation, accept responsibility. Mm. Say, I did it. Don't say, Satan made me do it. I did it. Yeah, I did it. That is you doing it. Because, you see, before Satan made you do it, there was a way of escape that you could have used. Are you with me here? There's always a way of escape. There's always, for every temptation, there's a way of escape. There's always a way of escape. The Bible says, he ties the way of escape to God's faithfulness. Somebody say God's faithfulness. Uh He ties it. He said, but God is faithful, number one. He will not allow you to be tempted about that which you are able. That's the first. And then, when you are even confronted, and it looks like it's overwhelming, he will create a way of escape. Somebody say there was a way of escape. So, one. What you are dealing with is something that he knows you are capable of overcoming. And two, if you feel that you cannot overcome it, he has created a way of escape. Amen. Understand those two scenarios. He knows you can handle it. And if at any point you feel that he under, he overrated you or he overestimated and you cannot handle it, he says there is a way of escape. Somebody say there is a way of escape. Yeah, there's a way of escape. And so, we'll be exploring from today on us today. I'll just touch on three. And then the subsequent weeks, we'll touch on the rest. Seven escape routes from temptation. And I'll be using the word F for you to remember. F, seven escape routes from temptation. The first F we are looking at tonight is frame. Somebody say frame. 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 The escape route of knowing and understanding your frame. Somebody say the escape escape route of knowing... And understanding your frame. frame. Say that with me. The escape route. Of knowing. knowing And understanding your frame. frame. Alright. You have to know and understand your frame. How you have been wired. Do you know all of us have been wired differently? Am I communicating to people here? All of us have been wired differently. Look at what the Bible says Psalm 103, verse 14. He said, He knows our frame, He knows our frame, He knows our constitution, He knows how we have been wired. God knows it, He knows our frame. He remembers that we are but dust. He knows our frame. Somebody say, God knows our frame. God knows our frame. The New International Version says, He knows how we are formed, how we are. New International Version. He knows how we are formed. God knows how we are formed. The New Living Translation says he knows how weak we are. It's it's, it's interesting that God knows that you are weak in some areas and you are acting strong. You see the pride and the insolence of it? He knows you are weak in a particular area. You are acting strong. Because in your frame, this particular area, when it comes to the truth, you are very economical with it. You're very, very economical with it. No matter what what is happening, you will always have a difficulty telling the truth. And some way, some way, somehow, it, it's been become part and parcel of your nature. He knows your frame. He knows that you are weak in this area when it comes to uh, dealing with uh, anger outbursts. God knows your frame, so don't. That is not something you 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 speak. You may fake confession about. God knows it. You have to. You see. One of the things that will help you to overcome sin is apart from the knowledge of who God is, the knowledge of your identity in Christ, you also have to know your natural constitution. Somebody say, my natural constitution. constitution. Say, my natural constitution. Yeah, You have to know it, It, and it helps. You have to know it. You have to know it. You have to know it. If you are, uh, let's say, uh, share butter, you know that when you come close to fire, you will melt. Shear share butter. Share butter. If you are petrol, you know that the, the thing you don't want to be exposed to is uh, uh, lighter or matches. Because the moment matches comes close to you, they don't have to pray. You will just start fire. God knows our frame. The Bible says he knows our frame. He knows our frame. All of us have been formed and wired by God differently. There are people they cannot be happy by themselves. They are there and nothing is happening. They are laughing by themselves. They just like to laugh. There are people like that? There are people also who sometimes can be angry when nothing has happened. They are just there and moody. That's how they've been wired. They just you think that you have offended them. Listen, stop thinking about what could have. What, maybe what, what is it that I did? You you count and set forever. There's nothing you have done. Everything is coming from their constitution within them. David calls them why are thou cast down oh my soul why are thou disquieted within me they are cast down by themselves nothing is pushing them but they are cast down there are some people their language is hot they don't know how to speak in a way that will come next when something is happening the, the moment they open their mouth everywhere becomes listen their words are hot that's who they are and you have to know that this is how I am I have, not, I have not matured up to the point where this thing has become a lower part of my being. This is still a dominant force in my life. The Bible says, for lest Satan should take advantage of us. For we are not ignorant of his devices. The only time Satan gets an upper hand over you is when you are ignorant. Ignorant about God. Ignorant about where you stand in the faith. Ignorant about yourself. Yourself. You shall know the truth and the truth shall what? Listen, an excellent knowledge of your default frame and the frailties associated with it is critical in overcoming temptation. Please understand this. You see, your frame, all of us, our frame, nobody's frame is perfect. All our natural frames have its own unique frailties. All of us. Everyone's natural frame. All of us. And I'm talking about your natural frame. Somebody say my natural frame. Yeah, how you've been wired. Because you see, when we are dealing with sin, we are not dealing with temptation. We are not talking about your spirit. Your spirit is different. We are talking about things that come from your desires. And that's where your natural constitution is apart. It's not your spirit. You think your spirit wants to drink bubra? Your spirit wants to drink. No, 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 no. What your spirit wants to drink is That's what your spirit loves. Your spirit loves to sing songs of praise and worship to God. That's what your spirit loves. Your spirit wants to pray. Your spirit wants to steady the way. That's what your spirit wants. The Bible said the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. Your spirit wants to do the right thing. That's why the Bible said he that is born of God cannot sin because his seed abides in him. The spirit of God in you cannot sin. The spirit lasted against the flesh and the flesh lasted against the spirit. And the two are at war with each other. There is war going on and whoever wins determines the behavior or the action that will happen at the end of the day. That's what is going on in every believer's life. It's not only you. Every one of us. There's conflict always going on between our flesh, the desires of our flesh, and the desires of our spirits. That's what is happening. So if you don't know your system, you don't know your body, you don't know your natural frame, you just allow yourself and some of us find ourselves in situations we think is a, a demon and I need deliverance. You don't need deliverance. You need wear transformation and mental adjustment. That's what you need. There are people that have been delivered from sexual sins again and again and again and again and the more they are delivered, the more they fall into it again. Take them through what they call deliverance as other people do. I remember there was a gentleman some time back uh, some time ago who had serious uh, problem with uh, pornography and all kinds of things and he he said, he's been dealing with it. Pastor, I want you to pray for me. I said, come to the office. I, I sat him down in the office. I think when we were in the other place and I asked him, listen, your phone, what are some of the pictures you watch? Where are the sites you go? What are the books you read? I said, those are the demons that must be cast out. Those are the demons. Once those are gone, I can lay my hands on you and say you are free. Because your head is free. Yeah. The problem is not your spirit, it's your head. You are putting chaff into your head. And when you put garbage in, there will always be garbage out. You can't put garbage in and expect that. Good things will come out. The Bible said, out of man proceeds evil thoughts. Out of man, not uh, uh, from outside. So, out of man proceeds. It comes from within. That's why we need to know this thing called our frame. Somebody say, my frame. frame. Yeah. Your unique frame. All of us are unique frame. uh, Comes with its own unique weakness. And Satan uses that. The frailties is associated with it. He uses it. He uses it. The reason why you are so sarcastic is because you are critical and nobody is able to meet your destiny. is because you have this perfectionist frame and the frailties associated with it is that nothing pleases you. So you are very critical. Everything you see, you criticize it. Nobody is able to do something excellent for you because that's the frame you are in. And the weakness is that you are critical and you become overbearing and people are not comfortable around you because nobody wants to be perpetually criticized. I'm not communicating here at all. That is not the devil. You see, Satan's, the strength of Satan's temptation is using things you don't know about yourself against you. There are some movies and scenes you watch and you know that they stimulate you. Why continue to watch them? Why continue to why watch movies and scenes and finish? And then you are now uh, looking for a prayer partner. No, 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 no. You don't need that kind of thing. Please help me. This is a stronghold. It's not a... I know where the stronghold is. The stronghold is on your phone. There's a a certain Netflix site you'll be watching. Your laptop. That's where it is. That's where the demon is. Number two is feeding. If you are going to overcome temptation, you have to understand, know your frame, and the phrase the is associated with it the escape route of knowing and understanding your frame number two the escape route of consistent feeding on God's word somebody say the escape route, the escape route. say the escape route of consistent, consistent feeding on God's word, on God's word. Yeah. Psalm 119 verse 11 your word I have hidden your word the Holy Ghost have hidden talk to me your word the Holy Ghost has hidden your word that my pastor has hidden. Your word that I have what? Hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Well, Jesus typically shows us that word power gives us strength in times of temptation. And listen, because temptation largely begins here. Because by the time you are performing the act, you have processed it here. Processed it here, completed. Do you know that David took Bathsheba here before he sent for him? Jesus said, when you look after a woman and you lust after her in your heart, David finish the act here. So by the time you are in the physical act, this one has completed. The Bible says sin is first conceived. Where is it conceived? Here. Your mind is conceived. So if you can stop it here, you have stopped it. And most of the time, this is where we are loose most. This is where we are very loose. Between your two ears. (laughs) A lot of things happened there. Praise God. That's why the word of God must gain root. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. When Satan came, all the, the, some people think that uh, he came to Jesus and presented to him a uh, stone and said, to bread. No, 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 no. It was here. The battle was going on in his mind. That's where it is. You, listen, your greatest spiritual battle will always be in your mind. That's where your greatest spiritual battle. Why are people depressed here? why are people uh, 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 feeling that nobody likes them and they are feeling here every feeling negative feeling you have begins here this is where it starts from what you think you eventually begin to feel and what you feel you begin to act on and what you act on eventually when you repeat it becomes a habit and when the habit is repeated. It lands you to a place you don't want to be. That's where it starts from. That's where it's so, so, so important. Hide the word of God in your heart. Hide the word of God in your heart. Hide the word of God in your heart. The Bible says, your words were found and I ate them. Your words were found and I ate them. And your word was to me joy and rejoicing of my heart. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 to 4. And Jesus said, when the tempter came, verse 3, Matthew chapter 4 verse 3. When the tempter came to him, he said, see, it's a battle of words. It's a battle of what? It's a battle of what? The first temptation happened in Genesis and it was battle of words. When he came, he said, has God said? Is that not it? Yes. Yeah, has God said? Because the woman did not know accurately what God has said. Because the feedback he gave to the serpent obviously was uh, clear. They said, God said we should not even touch it. God didn't say that. So she didn't know exactly what God has said. And as long as you don't know what God has said, you can easily become a chief victim. You need to know what God has said. Because what God has said is what Satan cannot stop. Yeah. He said, the tempter came and said, if you are the son of God, command these stones. Jesus said, it is written. Somebody said, it is written. It is written. Verse 7, he told him again, it is written. Verse 10, he told him, and all of that, in, in verse 70, he didn't say it is written, but what he said is also written. You shall worship no other God but me. That is written. All of the three. Jesus did not say, uh, you know, Satan, I cannot do that kind of thing. He had a basis. It is written. Yeah. It is written. What do you know that is written? Some of you can narrate and, narrate and call names of football, football fans, footballers. You are a commentator. You can call if you call Barcelona, you can call out all the names of the players and the clubs they have played for in the last five years. But if I ask you to give me five solid references, you don't know it, and you call yourself a Christian, you call yourself a spiritual person. Let me tell you, you are not spiritual at all. You are Kana. That's who you are, and you cannot overcome temptation in the flesh like that. That's how it starts from the same way you intentionally eat. You must intentionally take the word of God into you. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds. You have to take the word. Yeah, I mean, if you, don't have to, if, you don't, if you have time to eat, you must have time to feed on the word of God. Your words were found and I did eat them. Feed on the word of God. Because, you see, I wrote in my book, Time and Opportunity. I said, until the word of God goes through you, you cannot go through the word successfully. Until the word of God goes through you. Because there are many challenges in this world. Without the word of God going through you, you can't survive them. You feed on the word of God. Two ways you feed on the word of God to overcome temptation. One, you feed on the word generally. As a way of life. Feed on the word. Read the Bible. Listen to it in messages. Listen to it on radio. Feed on the word of God. You see, your body thrives on bangku. It thrives on fried rice. It thrives on uh, no dues, It thrives on all of those things. Your spirit thrives on the word of God. The food for your spirit is the word of God. And some of you are growing fat in your body. But your spirit is so lean. The Bible says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is more. Because you are not, any time a person is not feeding well, a person is sick and is not feeding well, it is almost becoming an emergency situation. Doctors are concerned because if you are not feeding well, the drugs, the drugs they are even giving you, you need strength to take them. You need strength to take them. So sooner or later, there will be no energy left. That's why people, when a mother has a child and the child is not feeding, the mother is concerned. You are a patient; you are not feeding. Doctors are concerned. And if you are a child of God, you are not feeding properly. You are. The, the truth of the matter is that all of us are feeding sometimes, almost every time. There is something you feed on. Some of you feed on sports, but not on the word. Some of you feed on television. You can enjoy television for one hour, watch useless stuff, move from Netflix, one movie to another station, but you can't turn the pages of the Bible and read them. And you want to develop spiritually? Stop that joke. It won't happen. You have to sit up, take responsibility. I have met too many Christians who are like, Pastor, I want to grow, I want to grow. But what you need to do to grow, they are not willing to do it. They just think that you grow spiritually, you know the scriptures by osmosis. No, 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 no. It's not one of those things that happens like that. You won't know the word of God by diffusion. You are a married woman, you don't know how to handle your woman, your man. It's because you don't know the scriptures. You don't know the scriptures. Every woman who wants to marry and enjoy the marriage must go through scripture and see how women treated men in the scriptures. Know it. Know it, know it. I tell husbands who are getting married, find out what scripture says to the man and find out what scripture says to the woman, and then you are ready to marry. But they are just coming with feelings. Oh, me feeling no yet. <laughs> uh, very soon say or don't you are dealing it. this book of the Lord shall not depart from your eyes. And then, of course, you must also feel now. Listen. Feed on the word generally and feed on the word specifically on subject areas that your, your temptation, you, have, you, you, you are tempted most. Okay, feed on areas you are, you see, the, uh, let me recommend Proverbs chapter 5 and Proverbs chapter 6 and Proverbs chapter 7 for every young man and woman. If you read that consistently, eh, your lust will go away. If you read it, uh, Pastor, my problem is women. Listen, every man has women problem. But men of purpose put women aside. Every woman, every man has women problem. You think that you are the only person who has women problem? Listen, you are not the only person. You are not the only person with the rod. The other people have the rod. But when you read the book of Proverbs and the man who has so many women begins to tell you what a woman can do to you, a woman who is not your wife can do to you, and the way they zap your strength, and zap, zap your energy, and destroy your future, you will set up. You will set up. I wish I could read you through Proverbs chapter 5. My son, pay attention to wisdom. Somebody say, listen to wisdom. wisdom. Lend your ear to my understanding. Continue. He says, so that you may keep discretion and your lips may keep God's knowledge. Let's read it together. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey. And the speech is smoother than oil. Wait, I love you. You are the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. When you touched me like this, then I feel heaven. That's what you are saying there. That's what they are saying there. Go on, go on, go on, go on. He says, but the end. Somebody say the end. The end, the end. The end is. The end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. The end most of the time, when you are having sex, the pleasure is tough, but the end, you don't think about the end, but it always has an, an end in it. And the ultimate end is not good. Now, listen, Solomon was one of the guys who had all women, all kinds of women, colorful, yellow, there is no woman Solomon didn't have. In the species of woman Solomon had, and he's speaking and say, listen, listen, listen. If you are a foolish person, an experienced person is talking, you better listen. How many women have you known? With all your foolish behavior of jumping from one bed to another, one bed from another, you can't beat his record. Because I know what it takes to beat his record. The financial power you need, that's not what you have. Your father is giving you uh, 1,000 a month. And you are, you are jumping from three different women. Where is your future? You are a dead man walking about. Verse 5. Her feet goes down to... Yeah, where you are going, that's where her steps follow the path to hell. Verse 6, he says, she does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander, and she does not know it. Go to 7. Oh, sons, listen to me, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from, keep your way far from. Charlie, this girl, I don't know. Without her, I can't live. I love her from my very soul. He says, do not go down the door of a house. Don't go there. Somebody say, don't go there. Don't go there. Yeah, and that, that's supposed to be my last point for today. Don't go there. There are places you shouldn't go as a believer. Okay. Places you should not go. People you should not see. Messages you should not send. No, no, no. That's not... Listen. He said, unless you give your honor. Somebody say your honor. Your you honor. give your honor to others and your ears to your years, your years, let strangers take their fill of your strength and your labors go to the house of a foreigner a, a house of what? Foreigner. Okay, continue. And at the end of your life, you grow. when your flesh and body are consumed, he's talking about disease, yeah. sexual diseases. At that time, it wasn't there. When your flesh and your body are consumed, are consumed. Consumed, and you say how I hated discipline because that's where it starts from. Ah, Pastor, how can you say I shouldn't go to some places? How can I have my, my own iPhone and I can't visit some sites? This Pastor, the MC, we'll, we'll the name there's an internet app they call it Net Nanny or so. Maybe when you get it, it will help you. It controls you. You see, you have to put your life in discipline. Nobody succeeds and becomes outstanding in life without a sense of discipline. Sense of discipline, sense of discipline, sense of discipline, and you say, How I hated discipline, and my heart despised reproof. Mm. Verse 12 I did not listen to the voice of your voice of what, Pastor Fuakwa. God is talking to somebody tonight. You better listen. If you want to accept Jesus and make him your Lord and Savior, you want to say this prayer after me, mean every word, and then believe it in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus. I confess that you are my Lord and my Savior. I believe with my heart that you died and rose again for me. By my belief, I am justified. And by my confession, I am saved. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. If you pray that prayer in faith, you are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God bless you. We look forward to having you. Join us again and again. God bless. My life
0: My life never never Pastor Afuakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020 422 5790 or Email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afwakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our service at our headquarter church from 8.30 a.m. to 11 a.m. for our good news service and on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6pm to 8pm. Our church auditorium is located on the top floor of Nanama Ejakumar Plaza, opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santasaran about Kumasi, Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on Embassy of Life Chapel, Facebook, or YouTube pages. God richly bless you.